0: Terminal Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here.
1: Today FM Limp Biscuit, corn, rage against the machine, red hot chili Peppers Sounds like a good lineup, doesn't it? Wouldn't you buy a ticket to a festival like that? Well Have you seen the new Netflix documentary, Trainwreck, Woodstock 99? Well, if you haven't, then you might want to after hearing our next guest's experience. David Coughlin from Dublin was one of the 250,000 people that flocked to a disused U.S. Air Force base in New York for Woodstock 99 in 1999, of course. It's safe to say that the festival did not go to plan and it was one big disaster. In appalling conditions on the last day, the crowd turned nasty and absolutely wrecked the gaff. Well, David is on the line now to relive that infamous weekend with us. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are you keeping? Good. First question, how bad were the toilets?
0: They were apocalyptic, yeah. (laughs) The the, the smell hasn't left me... (laughs) The sights and the smell, they were like something from a a horror movie, like an alien or something. It was really extraordinary.
1: The toilets were one, you know, kind of feature of the documentary and of the festival, because with most things, it seems, uh, corners were cut, budgets were slashed, and uh, what was, you know, meant to be... uh, proper facilities turned into uh, not enough poor to lose and it was it, w- it was pretty nasty um, so <laughs> it was meant to be this festival of peace love and a, a little echo of what happened in the 60s on the documentary they keep sort of focusing in on the rowdy frat boys um, but what was the crowd actually like when you were there
0: yeah well look I mean there was a quarter of a million people there so it's a huge crowd and, and very different. Bunches of people, you know, and you had such an eclectic kind of lineup as well. So there wasn't the same crowds there gathered for each band. It wasn't like people were just. St- Stood in front of the one stage for the whole day. Mm. Um, so for the most part, the crowd was great. You know, we we chatted to all sorts of people as you would at festivals. You you make these five minute friendships in the queue for the bar and whatever, and going to chatting to everybody. And and we, as well, there was there was families there as well. You know, there were people there with with buggies. There was aging hippies. There was all the kind of crowd that you would get at any festival.
1: So listen, the documentary right likes to uh, point in the direction that. It was the crummy decisions and the budget cuts that led to the carnage at the event. So it was the heat combined with the concrete in the Air Force Base. Uh, There was the, you know, endless queues for food and drink, which was overpriced, the crappy toilets. And basically all of the crappy conditions, you know, drove people mad and they ripped the place apart. Is that how you experienced it?
0: (laughs) There was a a certain Lord of the Flies element on the last night, that's for (laughs) sure. Um, But yes and no, I mean, for the crappiness of the toilets, and don't get me wrong, they were so bad. But I think anybody who's ever been to a festival will have had some sort of horror story about the toilets. But uh, the fact that there was people happily dancing and sliding in the mud, which was coming from the portaloos, tells you... You know, a lot oh, of the people were just happy to, people were just trying to have a good time. And there was a certain, the mythology <laughs> of the 1969 festival definitely was hanging big time over the festival. From the, mm. And even from the, very, from the very get-go, I remember we arrived really late on the Thursday night. There was huge queues of traffic as, as always with these things. But by the time we got to, we were there with our tickets and we were heading in and a crowd beside us just, just stormed the gates and started Pushing down the fences and jumping the thing, so we knew it was going to be boisterous from the start. And there was plenty of those kind of um, frat boys and that kind of thing. We were, I think, we were sitting back uh, far from the, the madness. We, we weren't brave enough, maybe, to get into the mosh pit for, for a lot of it
1: Yeah, but like on the last day, when walls were being kicked down, fences were being ripped apart, the vendors were being looted. You know, things yeah. were being set on fire. Like, w- were you in the thick of that? Are we running the other way? Are we even aware of it fully?
0: Oh, totally, we were aware of it, yeah, I mean, we were, yeah, it's exactly as it happened. At the same time, the atmosphere wasn't threatening, you know, it was like, obviously it was wrong what was going on, but it was like a a massive house party that had gotten out of hand, you know, a really bad idea that backfired spectacularly, where they tried to hand out candles for this vigil for, against gun violence, which obviously a nice idea but straight away there was so much rubbish that they hadn't cleaned up the rubbish for the whole weekend so straight away people started lighting fires with the rubbish that's how I remember it starting Mm. and I I, can say I can only talk about our experience but then people started pulling bits of wood off of walls and stuff and it started taking up but it was quite peaceful you know people were standing around the, the it was
1: peaceful looting
0: <laughs> and
1: vandalism yeah
0: see that was it it was kind of vandalism more than violence I would say well there was um, one also, scary
1: bit in the documentary where the crowd stormed the sound tower you know with these huge speakers stuck to it and obviously staff working up the tower and they start to kind of you know, wobble it from side to side and uh, at one point eventually uh, it or part of it comes crashing down. I mean, uh, in the documentary that looks really frightening.
0: Yeah, look, there was a lot of really idiotic things going on you could say, but... um (laughs) <laughs> well, that's all I could say. You know, I
1: think you'd make. You should join the riot police that actually turned up at the event because you nothing phases you. They're like, oh my god, they're pulling down the sound tires and burning everything. You're like, look, it's cool. The mood is fine. <laughs> um, you yeah. know? It, it,
0: it, like we we roamed around on the on the last night when the um, when all the mayhem was happening. But we just kind of were walking around wondering what was going to happen next, and you know, people were doing crazy stuff like they were. Running and jumping through the bonfires, and the biggest mistake—well, not the biggest—but there was a litany of mistakes made by the the organisers and the venue was the principal one. Because it was one of the mistakes they made when there had this been this rumour going around all day that there was going to be some big surprise act, and I suppose because they had James Brown as a surprise starting act, everyone really believed it. Uh, we were told all day that it was going to be the Rolling Stones. You know, was getting to the stage where people were saying, "We've seen them; they're here." That kind of stuff. (laughs) The red Hat chili peppers finished, and then they had uh, this Jimi Hendrix uh, kind of a tribute, where uh, kind of a hologram or something went up into the sky, and a few fireworks went off. It was a real like anti-climax. Everyone wanted to do something else or whatever, so they started to wreck the place, I suppose. (laughs) But the (laughs) but what the the problem was the the organisers. I think they each night there was a rave on. So the first night I think it was Moby. The second night it was Fat by Slim, which is covered in the documentary, and mm. uh, it's quite you know obviously some shocking and sobering scenes regarding that as well.
1: Well, his he, his show was was stopped because a van was yeah. driven by someone who was clearly off their head into the middle of the crowd. Now slowly, he didn't they didn't run over anyone, but it's never advisable when a van actually drives into the middle of the crowd and the documentary outlines that perhaps there was some kind of sexual assault that occurred in that van which is uh, horrifying Um, Horrifying. but were you at that particular rave? We were
0: there at one time of it uh, we weren't there for the whole thing we were there for for a good bit of it and then we kind of probably the heat and the tiredness got to us and we we were gone maybe Mm. Um, I certainly wasn't aware of the set what had happened or anything like that until I watched the documentary and I was, you know... <sighs> <What? laughs> as, as with many of the things in the documentary, I was kind of scratching my head going,
1: oh my God. And finally, did I hear a story of one of your mates who actually fell asleep and missed a load of it? One of the crew... Yeah, I have to be careful with my pronouns
0: here. One of the crew... um they they just they just had uh, succumbed to the heat. We were like Steve Staunton at USA ninety four. It was it was just so hot. <laughs> you know? so one of the gang, yeah, one of the gangs succumbed to the heat and had to be brought, or went back to the tent and had a, had a nap and then woke up the next morning to apocalypse. Now you know, kind of, <laughs> of scene from Mad Max. and Had to explain what happened. So that was
1: <laughs> yeah, imagine that was, the stumbling out of the tent going. Where, where is everything? <laughs> you're like, wow, you're going to sit down for this. It's a long story. Well, first they started to burn everything and <laughs> I love the idea that they slept through the carnage. Anyway, listen, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for giving us your side of Woodstock 99, David. No, thanks for having me. Talk to you later, man. Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Terminal Dave,
1: weekdays from 9am. Today,